Welcome to Whitestone Podcast from the Whitestone Forum. This podcast is for business and nonprofit leaders like you and me, specifically designed around building, polishing, and leveraging our competencies. Each episode will provide a lens through which ever-growing citizens of God's kingdom can think about very effectively impacting every one of their organizations. For Whitestone Podcast, I'm Kevin Miller. Okay, this episode is a continuation of the Abraham series, and what we're talking about is one of the thorniest issues, sooner or later in real life, that believers can face in their marriages and other close relationships. That's when a person we are partnered with has a real crisis that precipitates a kind of lapse in their Christian faith regarding a particular issue. You know, a sort of faith fatigue. Let's parse that a bit. So just who am I talking about? Perhaps a spouse or a close business partner or maybe a long-term friend. You know, someone you have a truly meaningful link with, maybe all the way back then in time, but especially right now. And I am talking about both of you being believers here. Yes, the New Testament does handle the idea of being unequally yoked, but that's a topic for a different time. Here, what we're talking about is when both partners are followers of Jesus and one partner experiences faith fatigue. Now then, just what kind of event am I talking about? Well, perhaps it's a debilitating long-term illness or perhaps a close relative who's rejected Christ so far. Or perhaps a promise from God that's not yet fulfilled. And we're talking about issues where the missing answer is jointly sought. After all, that's what people who are in meaningful relationship do. Share and pursue goals. Share and overcome obstacles. That brings us to Abraham, Sarah, and their Hagar event. And that explicitly brings us to the recent podcast episode titled, The Pull Date on Patience. Go listen. It's designed to be instructive and encouraging. So to expand it here, we're revisiting that same Hagar event. Here's a synopsis. The key actions of the Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar event initiated a peculiar course of history for countless people, for better and for worse. See, long before, The Lord had made a covenant with Abraham about having offspring as numerous as the stars in heaven. We pick up on that narrative later in time in Genesis 16, 1-6 in the ESV. And remember, in this passage, the names for Abraham and Sarah had not yet been changed by the Lord. And I'm quoting, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, 
she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Unquote. Sadly, the millennia-long result of that harsh start was and often remains harsh conflict between Hagar's descendants and Sarah's descendants. Now, the first foundation we must start with is this. Both Abraham and Sarah are among the very few listed in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith. So Sarah's problem was not that she didn't believe God could act supernaturally. It's just that here, God wasn't acting on a timetable that fulfilled her desires. But God did keep his promise later by blessing Abraham and Sarah at very advanced ages. Doing that 14 years later with their son Isaac. God's point to Abraham about all that, quote, is anything too hard for the Lord, unquote? <laughs> but in Sarah's stage of frustration, she took action, or we should more accurately say that she asked for action from Abraham, that he sleep with Hagar in order for the family to add the promised offspring. And with that, we encounter key issues. Yes, yeah, Sarah had indeed reached her poll date on her patience, as we discussed in that previous episode. Or you might say that Sarah had faith fatigue. But you also might recall that Abraham had his own lapses a couple of times before this, related to this very same issue. So let's look back before the Hagar event. First, Abraham got his call from God. And in Genesis 12, 7, the Lord said to Abraham, to your offspring, I will give this land. And Abraham built an altar there. But later in Egypt, Abraham lent his wife to Pharaoh, calling her his sister to protect his own life. Wasn't that a lapse in faith that God wouldn't protect Abraham even though the offspring promised were not yet born? And in Genesis 13, 6, after Abraham and Lot had separated, God again promised offspring to Abraham. And to gain context, there's no evidence that Sarah was personally hearing God's promises to Abraham. She got them secondhand. And now we see Abraham revealed his own faith fatigue about God's promise. And I'm quoting... After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. 
Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness, unquote. Genesis 15, 1 to 6. But faith fatigued Abraham, said to God, Eliezer will be my heir. So this was Abraham's own version of faith fatigue. But in this event, Abraham kept it between himself and the Lord. And when Abraham then believed fully again, the Lord counted that to him as righteousness. And hey, there's no indication here that this is a sort of righteousness that's limited as a penalty for Abraham's assertion that his heir was not going to be his offspring. Here's the deal. God apparently does not expect our faith to always be at 100%. But he does want his people to work at restoring weak faith. Now we arrive back at the Hagar event in Genesis 16. So how about some key context for Sarah proposing the Hagar path? First, apparently the promises about offspring were said to Abraham, then secondhand to Sarah. Second, it's unlikely that they were ignorant about age being a key factor in childbearing. Later, Sarah says she is worn out. So, is it not understandable that after years of waiting, Sarah might believe that perhaps she herself was the childbearing obstacle to God's promise to Abraham about offspring? And on a human level, this type of perception could have been complicated by Abraham's previous faith-lacking willingness to lend Sarah to Egypt's Pharaoh. What's the big deal then that Abraham would be paired with Hagar, an Egyptian herself? Following Abraham's example, did such an arrangement really defeat the standard of the cleaving dimension of a marriage? So isn't it humanly understandable that Sarah would speak up and suggest this natural remedy to fulfill God's promise? Yes, faith fatigue had set in. Now then, we get to several possibilities for Abraham's response. First, Abraham could have simply pointed to their heritage of the Lord's faithfulness, like Noah and Enoch and their miraculous events, as well as his personal experience defeating kings in war and his encounter with Melchizedek, and conclude with encouraging Sarah to restore faith. Second, Abraham could have shared that he himself had had doubts after waiting so long for offspring, but that the word of the Lord had then come to Abraham and his belief was restored. Third, Abraham could have appealed to the likelihood that having a child with Hagar could well precipitate the very difficult dynamics that it actually did, resentment and deep problems. Hey, perhaps Abraham did take one or even all three of these approaches. Nevertheless, the Bible tells us that Abraham did act. He acted on Sarah's Hagar proposal. If so, in modern terms, Abraham was a sort of enabler to Sarah's faith fatigue. 
And there was a penalty to be paid for thousands of years by millions of people. But hold it now. We again recall that both Sarah and Abraham are heroes of faith in God. Yes, God is always faithful, but he doesn't expect perfection from us. Still, faith fatigue is a common issue. It can arise for us and for people we are closely partnered with. We can count on God to restore our faith and fulfill his promises, but we cannot always count on partners to help restore our faith. Always our vertical relationship with the Lord is preferential, then that's vital to all of our horizontal relationships. Yeah, listening to God begets great things, but listening to someone in a season of faith fatigue can beget real problems. The believer's privilege is to help restore others' faith. Thank you for listening to Whitestone Podcast. Visit our website, whitestone.org, for more real-world equipping. There you'll find uncommon video teachings, application and action questions for this podcast episode, and more. Also, check out our unique downloadable resources for group meetups. That's whitestone.org. I'm Kevin Miller.